And for a second time tonight, C.J. Spiller has 84,000 fans wondering, how did he just do that? I mean, we're not here today without, I'm not here today without C.J. Spiller, that's for sure. He was the first one to really believe, to believe in me, to believe in Clemson. Well, I mean, you say the name C.J. Spiller around Clemson, and I mean, he's, he's the guy, the man. That is a sick run. He made one man miss, he juked back to the right, then back to the left. Clemson fans have got to be enjoying watching 28 week in and week out run the football. I never thought in a million years, looking back on it, that a little country boy out of Lake Butler would literally change the landscape of guys believing in a program like Clemson. I'm Jeff Fischel. Welcome to Legends and Legacies, brought to you by Duke's Mayonnaise. Duke's. It's got twang. Today we all know Clemson as the preeminent college football program that it is. But before the five consecutive college football playoff appearances and two national championships, Clemson was just, well as Dabo Sweeney says it, little old Clemson. That is until he took a trip to Florida to recruit five-star running back C.J. Spiller. Man, it was weird. Uh, I always start off with telling people that, uh, you know, I had a high school teammate that was already committed to Clemson, uh, Kevin Alexander. So I always kind of seen Coach Winnie come, you know, here and there. But, you know, and, and me growing up a Florida State fan, you know, I knew about Clemson, but I didn't know the in-depth of Clemson just because I knew they always played, you know, Florida State every year and then the Bowden Bowl that's going on. So I knew about this program. So, and then, you know, Obviously, you know, you get five visits and, you know, I had to have been to, to Southern Cal, had to have been to Florida State, Florida, Miami, and I had one visit remaining. So my high school coach, he played at Alabama, Andrew Zhao, he was a quarterback. Uh, and I had told him to reach out to them and kind of see, you know, what they deal was. He did his due diligence and he came back to me. He was like, you know, they, they're not recruiting. I was like, well, man, I got this other school in Clemson that's really, you know, wanting me to come on a visit. When CJ was coming out, you know, nobody really made decisions until their senior year. I actually prefer that because I think it's a developmental game and, and kids stay focused on their high school process. And But uh, I'd been in Alabama for 13 years, so I had been recruiting there for eight. And my mindset was you go recruit the best players. That was Dabo Sweeney. Today, you know him as the head coach of the Clemson Tigers and the architect of the current Clemson dynasty. But back then, he was a wide receivers coach on the Clemson staff under former head coach Tommy Bowden. The Dabo, of course, one of the reasons that I hired him was he had a very impressive recruiting resume. He looked to be a pretty solid recruiter, so that proved to be the case. At that time, Florida State had uh, won a national championship in '90. My, my first year at Clemson, they were still running through that through the conference like Clemson's running through it now. And, you know, my father was coming off 14, 10 win seasons. All those guys like CJ had grown up from three years old to 18, seeing Florida State in the top five every single year. So you knew going in there was tough. Florida had won a national championship, thinking Urban Meyer, and they were 40 minutes away. So going against a guy like my father, he had had a proven track record of uh, recruiting top caliber guys. You know, Pete Carroll coming in from Southern Cal had a, you know, was, a, was another huge threat. So the competition was in the state of Florida is difficult regardless of who the coach is. But when my father had won national championships and Urban Meyer, it, it makes it that much more difficult. When I came to Clemson, I mean, I didn't come here to, 
with any different mindset of, I mean, I just came here like with the same thought process that I had at Alabama. I thought Clemson was a great place. And, you know, I was excited to get back out on the road and, you know, we're going to build something special here. I was so fired up and the spring of 04 is when I really kind of got to know my area a little bit, but I had the Jacksonville area and Union County and Lake Butler, you know, all the way down to Tallahassee, all down the I-10 corridor. You know, that spring, mostly when you go out in the spring, is when you would really evaluate that upcoming senior class and start making some decisions. And, and so I had seen some tape on Spiller, and I just remember watching him, and I was like, this, this might be the best running back I've ever seen in, in high school football. I just couldn't believe it. And to put it in perspective, you know, Travis Etienne in today's world, is he's so explosive. You know, when you think of Travis Etienne, he's got – I think he's got nine or ten plays, maybe 11, of 50 yards or more. All right, C.J. Spiller had like 21, okay? I mean, and so take that and put it at the high school level. He was so fast, so explosive, and I just remember watching the tape, and I couldn't wait to till the rules allowed me to start calling him, you know? But I remember going down and to his high school, and I had actually coached Andrew Zhao at Alabama, and he was from that high school. So I just bust up in there like everybody else, and I didn't think anything less of myself or less of Clemson Maybe I guess sometimes ignorance is bliss, I guess, you know. I mean, I just thought I could go recruit anybody. And I remember when I first time I could call him. And we had a great conversation. And, and uh, he didn't know much about Clemson, but we, we just hit it off. You know, we literally just hit it off. And I guess I recruited him in a very different way than maybe some of the other people. And, but one of the things that struck me with him early was he was very sincere, very respectful, but he – he was just very wise beyond his years. And I could sense a level of maturity and I could sense a level of focus and drive that not every 17-year-old has just yet. And he just wasn't caught up in the, the whole recruiting thing. And he was recruited from coast to coast by everybody. But I also remember our very first, back in those days, we would, we would get together and it was old school. And when you'd come off the road, you'd build the board of, who you, who you saw in your areas and each coach would get their chance to present their guys. And you would, you know, you're sitting there like selling your guys from your area and, and uh, everybody go around the room and you have opposition, like the receivers and we'd have them all labeled. There'd be printout, like computer printout labels and on magnets. And it was all on this board. And you'd just have names. I mean, it was just like gobs of names. I remember when we got there, I, I, I get to CJ Spiller and I'm like, I'm like, guys, I'm just telling y'all. This is the best running back. I, I don't know who all these other guys are on the board up here, but I'm telling y'all, that guy there, he's the best running back I've seen. And uh, so I'm going, and, and it, I got some, I got some, you know, some of those uh, in the room. You know, it was like – and I didn't really understand it. It was like – and finally it's like, look, we're not going to get that guy. Let's focus on who we got a chance to get. And I'm like – I mean, I was offended. He wore number 28 which was Ward Dunn's number at Florida State, and that was one of his top schools. And then Florida was 40 miles away, you know, he's close to his mom. And so I, I, I remember the, the odds were not good. I was like, what do you mean we're not going to get that guy? What are you talking about? He takes my call every week. You know, we, we communicate. If I miss him, he calls me back. I mean, you know, whatever. We had this whole conversation about CJ. And so – I was like, well, I'm just going to go find out. 
Okay, remember, this was not the Clemson football you know today, where the best recruits from all over the country want to play for the Tigers. No, the Clemson program back then, going after a five-star running back? That recruiting battle was an uphill battle. Well, you got to start somewhere. And if you're trying to build a foundation for what your program is going to be, you're going to have to hit on one or two guys. This is Tom Luganbill, a recruiting and scout analyst for ESPN. Somebody's going to have to say, you know what? I kind of like what's going on here. I'm going to go give that a shot. That's exactly what CJ Spiller ended up doing. And then it kind of lights a fuse. So, you know, when you're, when you're a program like Clemson and you're recruiting outside, not necessarily outside of your footprint, because I would, I would include Florida in their footprint, but you're skipping over a state to get there. Yeah. The most important thing that you can do, you have to get them on campus. You have to somehow get that kid on campus. I knew it was going to be my last visit there. And so in uh, December, I just said, look, all I want is a visit. And I just felt like if I could get C.J. Spiller to visit Clemson in January of 06, that, man, we are taking our program to a whole new level. And I, I pulled out a business card, and I flipped over the business card, and I wrote, I, with a blank, do hereby agree to visit Clemson in January of 06. And uh, he thought that was hilarious. And, and he, so he put C.J. Spiller. And then I had three of his teammates witness it. I still got my – in fact, it's sitting on my desk right here. Coach Winnie, you know, the biggest thing he always told me from jump start was, if you just come on a visit and you don't like it, I'll start recruiting you. And that was intriguing because, you know, here I am, a highly talented high school prospect coming out, and you got a coach telling you, if you don't like your visit, they're going to start recruiting you. You know, and that was the first time that a coach that said that. Because, you know, there's a lot of small schools and other schools that recruit me, but my high school coach always told them, hey, guys, it's probably a good chance. CJ probably won't come to your school. But they were still sending the letters. Their coaches were still coming by. And for Coach Sweeney to make that statement, it was kind of eye-opening. And, you know, I came up here on my visit. I loved it. I think it was, uh, I want to say it was Martin Luther King weekend because I remember they was out of school. And I remember James Davis and Jacoby Ford had to stay back to host me. <laughs> so it wasn't no students. So it was a couple students, but it wasn't a ton of students on campus. And I just remember them just kind of getting a little party together at James' house. And, you know, we just sitting there just chilling. And then I tell people all the time, honestly, Jeff, this was the only visit where I called my mom. You know, I normally did. I didn't call back home and let her know how the visit was until I got back on that Monday. But I called her, and I, and I remember telling her, I said, I think Clemson is a place I can come and uh, play for three or four years. Most stick very close to Lake Butler. But I can tell you this, when CJ went on the recruiting trip, I can tell you why CJ's at Clemson, to be honest with you. It's because Dabo Sweeney is an amazing recruiter. This is Tammy Nobles, a family friend and wife of CJ's high school head coach. To be totally honest with you, Dabo Sweeney out-recruited everybody else that was coming in for CJ. And let me tell you something, it was not just one or two people coming after CJ. It was, it was everybody. You look down the hallway of the school and, and Pete Carroll would be walking down the hallway or uh, Bobby Bowden would come in for a basketball game. And, and it was just, it was huge. But what Davo Sweeney brought to the table was just total honesty with, with CJ. And when CJ took his trip, he came back and I remember him telling my husband, it's like a, a little Lake Butler with a college town in it. The people were just so nice. And then just the town. Uh, it, it reminded me, honestly, so much of my hometown of Lake Butler. And I had never had that feel before. 
like I say, going to Southern Cal, that was my first time going, getting on a plane and going to a big city in Los Angeles. Obviously, you know, I had to been to Tallahassee and been um, very familiar with Gainesville. But Clemson, it was just something different about the town and the people here. It's like they care about you. Like they almost treated you like they son. Like that's how they viewed you, like you one of their sons. Compared to, not saying the other places was bad, but you get a sense of people that just want you to be there, just to be there, compared to people that really actually care about your well-being. I think that's kind of what kind of separated Clemson from the rest of the, the universities. Remember, this, this wasn't a program with the highest profile facility. So what you were selling was people and that whole family dynamic and close proximity to the community, to the academic world, socially, athletically. They were targeting a certain type of kid that would gravitate towards that. And then they weren't targeting kids that maybe they didn't think fit in that mold. And people always told me when I was going through the recruiting process, because I, like I said, come from a very prestigious high school, so I was very fortunate enough to have guys before me to kind of teach me and kind of, you know, inform me how this thing works. And, you know, the biggest thing they always said was, you would know what's the right school for you. Like, you'll just have that gut feeling, like it'll just come to you. And I believe when I came to Clemson, that was that feeling that I had, that they was talking about. Now it's amazing to me. So you went and visited. I mean, there was no one around, no one on campus. You yeah. didn't get to see like a game where you got to have the whole experience of running down the hill and everything. You're there on a quiet weekend and you somehow knew this was the place. Yeah, ne never came to a game, never. The only game I came to was the spring game. <laughs> I grew up a Florida State fan, so I always went to the Florida State games and with Florida right down the road, went to a couple of Florida games and went to Miami. Didn't go to no Miami games. I just went on a visit there. And then, ironically, I went out to uh, Southern Cal. It was the game that Reggie Bush went against uh, Fresno State. Even though CJ was college football's premier running back, he ultimately wasn't interested in Southern Cal. For him, there were only three contenders. I knew it was, it was down to Florida State, Florida, and uh, Clemson. And, you know, it, it was a tough decision. And I kind of had a, a sense that I was probably going to go to Clemson. But it was just that nervousness to make sure that it was the right spot because I still had my visit to go to Florida. And then I still had my visit to go to Florida State, which is a big weekend that they always have during the recruitment, especially when Coach Bowman's there. I'm not sure if they still do it. But it's that last weekend that he loves to have because he liked to have a lot of former guys come in and talk to you. That was my first interaction with my football hero and wore it done. So, I, I mean, I was very humble and, you know, expressed my gratitude to him, telling him why I wore number 28 because of him. Love the stuff that he done off the field. So, you know, that visit there made it very tough because I knew in the back of my head that I probably still was going to be going to Clemson. But I just still want to make sure that it wasn't a change of heart. And, you know, I tried to do my best not to get caught up into all the, the glitz and the glamour uh, because I know how that stuff can, can kind of alter your decision. So I just stayed true to myself, stayed true to who I was. And, and I remember when Coach uh, Sweeney left, before he brought Coach Bowen back, I told him, I said, I'm probably about 90, I was about 98% sure that I was coming to Clemson. And I, and I hadn't went to Florida State, so they was nervous because they knew, Coach Bowen knew how his dad last weekend was on the, on the visit. <laughs> that must have been quite the, quite the recruiting tussle between the Bowens. Oh, it was very recruiting. From the stories that I'm hearing now, I'm here at Clemson now getting to talk with uh, Coach Terry about one of the sons and, you know, him telling me stories how, you know, 
Coach Tommy would call Coach Bobby Bowden and tell him, hey, I think he's coming. Then Coach Bobby Bowden would be like, no, he's not coming to Clemson. It's between, you know, us and Florida. You know, you guys don't even have a, a chance at this kid. So it, it, it's funny to sit back in and hear some of the stories that, that they was having amongst each other. Now, I, I know you said you were pretty certain all along toward the end there that Clemson was a place for you. But I also read that your mom wasn't even 100% sure. And you even, like, when you put the hat on, that was that was the only time she knew for sure you were going to Clemson. Is that right? You kept it from your mom? Yeah, I kept it from my mom because, you know, go back to that story. When Coach Bound came in, Coach Winnie thought I was going to go ahead and commit right there with everybody in the in the living room. Everybody, you know, hugging tears and everybody, you know, rejoiced for, for happiness. Uh, but I told him. I remember them leaving, and, you know, he was never he was like, hey, man, I got, I got to play the coach here, you know, you know what, what's the deal? Coach, he said, I just, I don't want my mom to know. And he goes, yeah, I want to be a surprise. And I'm like, I, I couldn't process that at the time. I'm like, okay. I said, well, look, he can't come back, so you're going to have to tell him. Sure enough, we're walking out, and he, he kind of eases over to him, and, and uh, he's like, hey, coach, I'm, I'm coming to Clemson. And of course, Tommy, he's ecstatic. He's all fired up, and he goes, no. You know, you tell me, can I count on He goes, yes, sir. He said, I'm coming to Clemson. So we're all excited. We're fired up. We're just pumped up. But I remember the first time seeing him and going down for the home home visit. I think it was the week after, the week before my father had, father had gone in. So it was a very tense time. You know, at that time, Florida State had uh, won a national championship in 90, my, my first year at Clemson. They were still running through that, through the conference like Clemson's run through it now. You know, my father was coming off 14, 10-win seasons. All those guys like C.J. had grown up from three years old to 18, seeing Florida State in the top five every single year. So you knew going in there was tough. Florida had won a national championship, thinking Urban Meyer, and they were 40 minutes away. So... Uh, going against Florida State and Florida in the state of Florida is difficult, regardless of who the coach is. But mate, with my father, who had won national championships, and Urban Meyer, it, it makes it that much more difficult. And I remember literally in the driveway, I told him, I said, I want to surprise my mom on signing day. Now, that's not probably the best advice I give kids these days <laughs> because of the reaction that I got <laughs> from my mom. Um, but that's just something that I wanted to do. And, and looking back at it now, I, I probably should have told my mom, but it was just something that I just felt I wanted to surprise her. You know, she loved Florida. You know, just like any mother or any parent, you know, growing up from University of Florida, 25 minutes, they want they, they want their baby to stay home so they can see him. And she didn't know nothing about Clemson. Here I am five and a half, six hours away. If something happened, compared to if I went, went to Florida, she can just hop in there and be there in 30 minutes. So, you know, you got all those emotions. And then Coach Urban Meyer, he sweet talker. <laughs> You know, he's sweet-talking her to death. And, I mean, I can go on and on about Coach Bobby Bowden. You know, legendary. His track record speaks for itself. I've probably been in coaching profession at that particular time close to 30 years. Man, I've seen so many unusual things. So it would have not surprised me had he got up and picked up a different hat because I knew that Florida had him the night before at 12 o'clock. Tim Tebow and I think a linebacker had gone up and got him Tuesday night at 12 o'clock and driven him around, and you then you can't get him on the phone. The next thing I know, you know, I'm getting calls from Tommy, and Coach Bobby Bowden's calling Tommy, and he's telling Tommy, yeah, Tommy, I think y'all are out of it. Uh, I think it's Florida and us. But I, I'm, I'm a little worried about the Gators down there, and, and, and Tommy's like, no, I heard y'all are out of it. We're in. And, and, and you know, it was, kind of, it was kind of comical listening to the conversation that's going between Bobby Bowden and Tommy Bowden. And, and then he's like, 
hey, I, I heard they send Tim Tebow and some of the Florida players to go pick him up and ride him around and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm going, oh, my God, now Tebow's involved. I'm, I'm freaking out. And I didn't hear from him. And, and, and so then we wake up Wednesday morning. And just like this, we're sitting in our office with a computer screen. That's all we have. And there must have been a hundred and something people down the hallway. I'll never forget it. And, I mean, I, I was about to vomit because we have no back if he doesn't come. So you, you don't know what hat he's going to pick up. But uh, when he gave that slip of paper to his mother, I remember, I remember seeing that ESPN televised. And- on the way to the podium, he, he writes on a napkin. He, he just kind of sl- just hands it to his mom. He had written Clemson as he's walking up. And, I mean, there's thousands of people there. And he gets up there. And, and I mean, I'm like, oh, my God. The fact that he did tell his mother first, he gave that slip of paper. But uh, 10 seconds later, uh, was a, told the people of Clemson he was coming. But I, I'd been surprised enough, or it wouldn't surprise me if he had picked up a Florida or Florida State ad. I just knew it was something that I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to surprise her. And that's when she found out on Saturday when I announced. In the fall of 2006, So great. CJ finally had a place to call home. But his mom, she wasn't quick to forgive him for holding on to a secret for that long. Probably took about a week or two. <laughs> now, this was before my mom was, you know, got to know Christ, so you know, she kinda had that that old Florida smartphone. So, you know, she was like, I don't know nothing about y'all. I don't who's gonna take care of my son. Something happened. Because she didn't come on to visit with me. So she didn't have her first time coming to Clemson was when we came up for the spring game. But when we came to the spring game, I think it kind of eased her a little bit to show her that, hey, people really do care about my son. They really are going to take care of my son up here. And how much of an impact was Dabo on you finally deciding on Clemson? Uh, I mean, he was a huge impact. I think just him just being authentic, him just being real, him just being real open to who he was. I think him believing, I think that's the biggest thing because, you know, Clemson at that time hadn't really – signed up. I mean, they had to sign a big-time guy, but not like a huge big-time guy. This was his first time, I want to say, recruiting a big-time five-star recruit. So, you know, everybody was thinking, you know, a guy like my caliber wasn't coming to Clemson because Clemson wasn't, you know, let's admit, Clemson wasn't sexy back then. You know, so they was giving him the side of like, this kid is not coming to Florida. I mean, coming to Clemson, you know, Florida State, you know, the history with Coach Bowden, and then you got the young Coach Urban Meyer, you know, his track history that he had been having at every stop that he'd have had, you know, the Tim Tebow factor. For people up here, they really didn't believe that Coach Sweeney could pull pull off something like this. And I think it was just our relationship and our connection. And I can just feel the realness amongst them. You know, sometimes you can sit down and talk to a coach and you can kind of tell. I know me personally, I can kind of – I could tell if a coach was really being real with me or it was kind of just being fake, just getting to their school. But with Coach Sweeney, it was hard for me to get that beam because he was just just so open and honest with everything. You know, any question I had, he he had to answer for. Uh, his biggest thing was graduation. And then just, you know, I had my daughter coming out. So, you know, he talked about, you know, being growing up, being a, being a man, being a father to my daughter. So it was just those conversations that led to that decision to me to have that belief that uh, he, was, he was the right guy for me to, to pull the trigger and come to Clemson. CJ was the first big player that Dabo got out of Florida, which has opened the door to many Florida recruits visiting and ultimately committing to Clemson. CJ's impact is not lost on Dabo. You know, it just was 
not the norm for a kid like that to leave Florida and, and to go, you know, not go to Miami or Florida, Florida State. And uh, so I think the fact that he was able to come here and have the type of success that he had to graduate three and a half years to, you know, really truly equip himself with just tools for life and had a great experience and, and so forth, that resonates, you know. I mean, every time he speaks of Clemson, every time he's and, – and like I said, now he's a board member. Uh, now he's coming back on the staff. He's, this is a place that you, you can be more than an All-American on the football field. And I think that, uh, again, that resonates all over. And so it's it certainly uh, opened up some other uh, eyes in the state of Florida as we started building our program. Oh, yeah, it's a whole lot different now. You know, he can go there. He can show off the two natty that he have, uh, all the ACC championship games, the new Allen Reeves facility. You know, none of this stuff was here when I was coming out. <laughs> but now he has that, you know, the, the whole landscape across college football to change. Handing Spiller, left side, has a hole. 45-40, out of the pack, and there he goes. Next time. C.J. Spiller, 50 yards on the touchdown we take a look at how CJ hit the ground running when he got to Clemson, literally. And we chat with CJ about a situation he had never faced before, a coaching change mid-season. It was weird, to be honest, because I had never experienced nothing like a coach's change. So when that happened, it was like a, like something just didn't feel right. Legends and Legacies is a Raycom Sports production in conjunction with Two Waves Media. Editing and sound mixing is provided by Resonate Recordings. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with a few friends and fellow fans. I'm your host, Jeff Michelle. I'll talk to you next time.